our orthopedic testing is quite important because and as well as that like a lot of times even if someone goes for like they might have gone through all the scans under the sun and they still it does still doesn't show anything and that's because a lot of like even x-rays and stuff they don't always show you exactly what is happening to the client um so orthopedic testing can become quite important because we can base our diagnosis or our um, treatment based on our testing for certain muscles and like because you can't tell someone or a, I guess a, a scan can't tell you that oh this muscle is weak we have to go through the testing to be like all right this is your impairment or this is the limitation we got to work on this muscle um, or as well as ligaments like some people like a lot of like scans can't Kind of see certain ligaments in their body so you have to rely on your um, your clinical testing um, with your orthopedic tests too welcome back to the forever young podcast a chinese medicine podcast hosted by chinese medicine graduates we release episodes every week on a thursday if you're new here feel free to subscribe or follow us to keep up to date with our uploads i'm brennan and i'm joined by charlene nick hey guys how are we going Timmy, Ayo. and additionally, we have a very uh, special episode and a special guest. Um, basically, we wanted to round off the, the year uh, with a really special episode, and we, got, we brought someone in today. Um, she's a registered physiotherapist, got a Bachelor of, uh, of Science Honours with Honours in Geology at the University of Waterloo in Canada. Masters of a physiotherapy practice from La Trobe University. She's got a wide range of experience uh, work, working, um, including like general musculoskeletal and sports therapy private practice. And given that we just talked about musculoskeletal, it's very, very relevant. Um, sports therapy private practice, local Victorian amateur footy teams, aged care facilities, community rehab and home for spinal cord injuries, aged populations, the list goes on. And so please give a well, warm welcome to Vanessa Tang. Hello. Welcome. Hey. welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having it. me. <laughs> that no sounds very impressive, by the way. You should be very proud of <laughs> all that list. It sounds very impressive. Yeah, that was a hardcore list. It, I was like, uh, I, it, was, it was so long that I started getting like tongue twisted, just saying. <laughs> like... He had it, to take two breaths to talk about all of it. I did. I, I, pre- I, prepared, my, I prepared myself a cup of coffee just so I can just go off on this, on this podcast today. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, we thought that would be a good idea to bring a physiotherapist onto the podcast, it being a Chinese med, but also to give a good, um, a good perspective of like the other parts of like our allied health and stuff like that. So, did, Vanessa, do you want to jump in and just uh, give a you know, good, what is the physiotherapy answer, if that's all right? Yeah, like, um, for, so what is, uh, what do physiotherapists do? And usually what physiotherapy is, a lot of people have a concept of like, oh, it's just musculoskeletal injuries. Oh, I just go in with a, like a, a physical limitation or physical disability. Um, and then usually a lot of musculoskeletal physios will treat that um, in terms of pain management, as well as getting them back to their functional goals, or if there's their functional goal is to kind of swing a, swing a tennis racket without pain again. So that's one of the functional goals. Or we also have a lot of dis- other disciplines that some people might not know, uh, such as like neuro um, aspects like stroke rehab, um, as well as um, stuff like cardiovascular. Um, and also pelvic floor incontinence, 
uh, patients as well. So there's a, it's a wide range. And we usually work as an uh, allied health team rather than just as a solo person, um, because you, um, for most allied health professionals, we know we can't just do it all. We have to work as a team. I think we would promote that a lot in, um, on the podcast is basically um, trying to, you know, explore other things. Sorry, I'm in the middle of just like eating something. What? Like <laughs> what? <laughs> My bad. So it sounds... is, is at the utmost high, yeah. What was that? Okay, we're, we're gonna... Is it the high? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, we're going to give you a pass because you just finished work and like oh, just yo, got home. So I've got, I've got a list of things to do right now. So I'm in a rush. I got my dip. I got my... Anyway, um, <laughs> one, one thing I wanted to mention too, what you said before was like, you know, you can't do it alone. We do push that a lot in um, the Forever Young podcast where we talk about, you know, we do, acu- we do acupuncture, we do our herbs and everything. But when we see cases that like, you know, it'd be really good to see an osteo or really good to be a physiotherapist. Having that whole, you can't do it alone thing is very good. And I like how you touched on that too. Um, yeah, I love it. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> so what should somebody expect when going to see a physio? Um, you said you treat a lot of, uh, a lot of different types of conditions, you know, cardiovascular and musculoskeletal and pelvic floor and stuff like that. So there's obviously a wide range. Um, what do people, what should people like expect when they see a physio? Um, how do you treat people? So what are you, like, what are you doing when they come into the treatment room? Mm, generally sometimes I, I take it as like unwrapping like a, a box like a gift uh, like a presence presented to you and you're like ooh, what's what's going to be in this box uh, <laughs> so you go into the clinic room and pretty much like depending on what the client tells you like they're having issues with it could be either pain uh like they have like let's say they're running a marathon and they kind of uh catching or losing their I guess hitting the wall at maybe two kilometers, those kind of et cetera kind of things. Um, usually as a general kind of aspect, we probably just do a full subjective, just them, them telling us what their physical limitations are, what is their chief complaint, um, what are their functional goals, what do they want me to help them with. Um, and then from that, like if they say it is a specific joint that's hurting or a specific thing, we have outcome measures or object, objective measures that we do testing on. Um, that both gives, gives us an idea of how they are at that stage or down the road. It also is something to compare to um, down the road so that we can give them a, a visual or a, an actual number to be like, oh, okay, I did improve versus like, oh yeah, I think I feel better. So. Um, and then after the uh, outcome measures, we can give them a general diagnosis because um, then usually patients come in wanting to know what's wrong with me. Like, give me something, a title, um, even though you might not be entirely sure, you, you give them the possibilities. And then um, in our treatment plan, we talk about how to, if, if they do have pain, how to manage it. And then um, we might do some hands-on therapy uh, if, if it's needed. Uh, so like stuff like soft tissue massage or using modalities and stuff. Um, we're well known for prescribing exercises. Um, people always think, oh, physioterrorists, give me all these exercises. <laughs> physioterrorists, yeah. that's a fair Yeah, <laughs> give me all these exercises, have to go through pain, etc. cetera. Um, but that's, that's usually a lot of education on the side as well for like, um, I, I'm only one person. I can only see you maybe once a week. Uh, give you the hands-on treatment for maybe temporary relief, but long-term, it's up to you. And it's a teamwork thing, up to you to do the exercises to help you get better on a, I guess, weekly basis. It's like their homework, essentially. Yeah. 
So we'll get into sort of how you deal with pain and um, how you manage your patient, teach your patient, patients about pain and keeping them compliant. But before we go through that, I just wanted to sort of ask about um, when you're doing that, the, the initial screening, um, sort of do you look at all this, like everything in the body or like all, all the anatomy involved, say if they're, say if they're coming in for something like tennis elbow, um, are you also looking at sort of their feet and their knee, hips? Um, you know, are you looking at everything or are you like, where do you go for initial patients? Yeah, for initial patients, like we have to keep in mind like, the time constraint. Like obviously it would be great that we can kind of check everything out. Cause then I do believe as myself, as a physio, I do believe in a holistic view. Um, there's more than just one thing contributing to the issue, but due to the time constraints, usually initial physio is like maybe like sometimes it's just 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or at most for neurological patients, we might have like an hour to do an initial assessment. And depending on kind of different areas that they need to work on, we might have to prioritize one joint and be like, all right, we're going to just focus on this today. And then um, it, let's say for exa your example, tennis elbow, um, we generally Generally, in terms of musculoskeletal testing, we'll be like, okay, this is the area of pain. We'll test that joint, um, do all the specific special tests for that area, as well as probably look into the joints above and below. Yeah, so mainly above and below, just to see if there's anything else coming from sort of those type of structures. Yeah. So you've seen a wide variety of people from like sports people to aged care and neuro um, people with neurological conditions. I guess what is something to consider when you are approaching different populations? Because these people all have very different, I guess, presentations when they come in, but also their goals as well. So how do you take that into account? Like what are you looking for when you treat different mm. populations? Yeah, throughout, I guess throughout uni, like, or like throughout my experience as well, like we're taught to be very patient centered. Uh, everybody's different and different people have different levels of motivation. As a physiotherapist, like, I guess one of our major goals is to look at their actual physical impairments or limitations, but on the side in order for compliance and stuff like that, like we really have to work to the person's traits. So like, for example, prescribing exercises, there's just some people just you tell them to do exercise and you're like, it's the end of the world. It's like, no, I can't. Or the other, the other things are just like time. Like they, they can't prioritize the time to do the exercises because of their busy life. So like a lot of like lifestyle um, contributions have to be accommodated for, or else it's just going to be, you're just going to be a cycle. They come for pain relief. You treat them, they go out, they come back, back and forth and they never get better. Sorry. So Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask, I was, we'll jump into that topic. How do you combat that? Because um, you obviously, you, you get to a point where, you know, you've seen this patient quite a few times and, you know, you're obviously happy to take their money, but there's, there's got to be a point um, like morally where you say this isn't getting better. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to see you forever. Uh, and if you don't do these exercises and you don't do what I'm telling you to do, you're never going to get better. So how do you sort of combat that and teach your patients about this? Yeah, for myself, I'm actually quite frank with them from day one. Like I tell them like, you know what, I have to plant the seed early. And uh, like, obviously, I, I know I can provide you the pain relief, but 
I'm just telling you, this is temporary relief. The, the ongoing kind of outcomes is coming from you. Like I can, like, if you think about it, like kind of educating early, it's like, I see you once a week. I can't see you every day to provide you the pain relief. So you have to do these, trust me, with these exercises and like knowing that like, okay, I know what I'm talking about. I'm helping you get the pain relief. So then if you follow these exercises, it should help you get the pain relief that you need as well. So planting the seed early is very important because um, then later on, if they feel like they're struggling and then you go back to the, okay, have you done your exercises? Have you been, been doing this, et cetera, et cetera. And then sometimes they'll come back and say, yes, I have been doing everything. And then you review whether they have done it correctly or you review with them. They're like, yeah, sorry, I haven't. So then you'll be like, all right, so that's, that's what we've got to work on. Like, it's not like about a blame game. Um, if that's the, if that's what happens, then we have to identify, okay, what's making you not motivated to do those things? Or um, is, it, is it just too hard? Or is it not, if you, you can't work into your schedule? So we always work as a, a team kind of effort to kind of work those, the, the right things into their schedule. Yeah, using those sort of like a we aspect and that, you know, um, like you were saying, you only can see them once a week, but you're, you're there supporting them. Um, mm that sort of mentality I think is, is fantastic when, you know, talking to patients and getting them on board with, you know, how you want, how you want them to be at home. I think we find that with taking herbs and stuff, you know, it, it can be a bit of a challenge to, to get patients to be compliant, to take their herbs. Um, you know, I, I find that um, now not being in student clinic and stuff like that, it, it's a bit easier to, to get patients to take their herbs because, you know, they're spending, their, their good money on, you know, quality products. Um, so it's a bit easier, but yeah, patient compliance is, is always a number one topic um, with seminars and talking to, you know, quite successful doctors and stuff like that. So that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm kind of narrow today. <laughs> <laughs> you can go be. No, no, no. You haven't talked much. So I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, I was just going to say, you can't really help a patient if they don't really want to help themselves. So it's just not much you can really do there. On, on the topic? Oh, I'm cutting off everyone today. Oh my goodness. Nah, Vanessa, go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, I guess on that aspect, like, I guess as a, a health practitioner, like we're the health advocates. We're like the ones that we have done more education on like kind of what's good for your health and, and everything. Like, so as a health practitioner or health advocate, I guess it's our kind of, in a way it's our responsibility to kind of try to do our best to kind of motivate them in the end yes it's up to the client themselves but we can try as much as possible for like kind of doing like motivational interviewing the psychological aspects of kind of a patient and trying to get them to comply you kind of half answered my question just now that i was about to, about to ask but um using what nick was saying before how uh when it, when it comes to patient compliance where let's say uh, the patient's a little bit more busier and the way that we kind of compromise in terms of uh, their lifestyle is that we might suggest pills over raw herbs if they, you know, if they can't uh, take herbs on the go. So we make that compromise as uh, Chinese medicine practitioners, but as a physiotherapist that might prescribe more exercises and things like that, what's ways that you kind of suggest a compromise with some patients? Um, I guess like for you guys, you guys prescribe medication from us, we prescribe exercise. So in terms of like trying to fit it into their lifestyle is either we have to talk about um, how like time is constant, like how, how much priority would you put in towards 
getting your own health better, your own physical function? And can you prioritize like, let's say 10 to 15 minutes a day to do certain exercise? Or we go the other route, if it's just, it's just chaos, like we just can't fit 15 minutes, then we probably see if we can fit it into the lifestyle. Let's say when they're preparing dinner, can you do the calf raises while you're chopping, chopping veggies or something as even like uh, before bed? before you go to bed, do those bed exercises. Um, or upon waking, like can you just do a few repetitions before you get out of bed? You have to deal with all the stuff in your life as well. Yeah, I think we had an osteo on last year and he was talking about, um, I don't know if he talked about it on the podcast, but he had talked to us about it. And you know, things like um, moving the sugar on a higher shelf if you've got a bit of shoulder pain, just to you know do that rapid movement and get your muscles out of that, um, you know, out of that weakness state and sort of strengthening the muscles that you don't normally use because you're changing the positions that you've got to reach for, you know, hanging, washing a bit higher or something like that if you need to get a bit more range of motion. So working them into your day, I'm, I'm sure that would fit into those chaos type of patients. Yeah, lots of like incidental exercise, like even for people who drive a lot, I would even suggest them to maybe park a little bit farther from your destination and walk, walk in, uh, or even like something as like, like when you put on your shoe, don't sit on a chair, just do a few squats and then put your, put your shoe on. That's why we call physioterrorists. That's why. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. right. They sneak in exercises when you least expect them. <laughs> uh, that's too good. Love that. Um, Okay, uh, we've gone into a lot of um, physiotherapy-related questions. Does anyone have anything um, that Vinus can answer about physiotherapy itself? Uh, I was I was just going to um, chat about the importance of like orthopedic testing, muscle testing. Um, you know, because we're we're halfway through with this musculoskeletal series, but this will come out at the end. Um, and um, orthopedic testing and muscle testing in, at uni for us was was kind of looked over, and it was kind of uh, you guys don't really need to worry about this too much because you guys are Chinese med and it's not that important. Um, and you're sort of like, oh, it's, it's all right. It's not that important. You get through the course and then you know, a little bit later on down the track, you get into student clinic and you get talking to other osteos and physios and chiros and about patients and, you know, what testing and referrals and, and issues like this. Um, and you look back and you sort of think, well, I really should have focused on, you know, doing orthopedic testing and learning how to, um, like how to actually see what's wrong with these patients. Um, so I just sort of wanted to hear from a physio point of view, like how important is orthopedic testing? Like how, how much do you use it? How much muscle testing do you use? That type of stuff. Well, I guess in for, for physio, like we do use quite a bit of orthopedic testing because we do probably we're considered the front line as well. We have, we see a lot of like acute injuries and they come in and then they ask us for whether should they get an x-ray, should they get an ultrasound, should they go for further like uh, testing such as MRIs and et cetera. So our orthopedic testing is quite important because, and as well as that, like a lot of times, even if someone goes for like, they might have gone through all the scans under the sun and they still, it does still doesn't show anything. And that's because a lot of like even x-rays and stuff, they don't always show you exactly what is happening to the client. Um, so orthopedic testing can become quite important because we can base our diagnosis or our um, treatment based on our testing for certain muscles. And like, cause in a, 
you, you can't tell someone or a, I guess a, a scan can't tell you that, oh, this muscle is weak. We have to go through the testing to be like, all right, this is your impairment or this is the limitation. We've got to work on this muscle um, or as well as ligaments. Like some people, like a lot of like scans can't kind of see certain ligaments in their body. So you have to rely on your, um, your clinical testing um, with your orthopedic tests to say, okay, um, I know an MRI will cost a lot out of pocket, if they, especially if they don't have private health insurance. Uh, so based on my judgment, I think you have this, and therefore we're just going to treat it as like, let's say, an MCL strain per se. So we'll treat it as an MCL strain. We might not be able to go for an actual MRI to kind of further kind of confirm, but this is what I suspect. And we just go along that treatment. <laughs> I Tom? thought you were going Any Anything else specifically for muscle testing? You know? <laughs> I, thought, I thought Nick was going on off. Yeah, does that yeah. answer your question, Nick? Yeah, yeah, no, was, I'm happy with that answer. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it makes sense to, to the patient um, mm. and obviously to, to practitioners out in the real world. Um, mm. you, can, you can sell orthopedic testing to your patients mm. in the fact that um, like the MRI, you know, you can save them a bit of money and mm. it won't affect your treatments all that much because you're already suspecting that. You, you don't necessarily need the scan to, to confirm um, what you're doing in terms of treatments and stuff. So yeah, as a, as a practitioner view, um, and patient compliance and getting your patients to understand what you're talking about you can say, look, I've done this test. Um, you can see the difference between your right leg and your left leg. Um, and I'm feeling, this is what I'm feeling. So this is what I'm suspecting. Um, if we go down, if we follow this treatment plan, you're more than likely going to be able to save cash in MRIs and you'll, you know, more than likely be, pain-free or you know will be able to be successful in achieving your your goals yeah and i think a lot of the stuff that imaging and doing all the scans can't do is feeling the subjectiveness of the patient so this is like what you're talking about before of weakness of muscles how the patients are feeling how it impacts their lives and stuff is also important um, i kind of want to move on to the aspect of pain now and how do you educate your patients like on the subject of pain itself and what do you sort of tell them from a physiotherapist sort of side like i guess like when i went through uni like there was a touch on kind of talking about pain like it's probably i didn't go through as much of explaining pain and stuff until i probably came out into the workforce um because i guess during uni and like placements and stuff or as students you would probably go through like oh yeah like pain is like tells you that there's a problem but then it, I guess when we go out into the work population, there's people who have chronic pain. Um, a, a good book to kind of go through is um, Explain Pain by Lorimer Mosley. That, that's a good one to kind of even like get patients to kind of read through. Um, and yeah, like usually when I go, I kind of, just kind of, you're trying to explain to a, sometimes even like um, younger uh, children, it's like, oh, pain is like, pain is not the end of the world. Like, you know, like pain, yes, some it, it's, it's very aggravating. I understand. Um, I try to kind of tell them how the body responds to it. Like usually pain comes on because um, your body is uh, telling you there's a threat 
somewhere in the body. And that's why you have that big stigma in from your brain or stimulus from your brain saying, oh my gosh, <laughs> look at me. So, um, so that's why you have that big stimulus of pain. But as, it's, as you kind of go down and then you tell your brain, okay, it's okay, it's not that bad, the pain subsides. So, and then most patients usually are pretty receptive of that explanation. Um, yeah, just probably just being frank with them, like how, how the pain and the body system actually works. Yeah, and I, I think naturally it's something, because you know how we all have that animalistic side of us. We can't really ignore pain, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like your body will feel something and your first reaction to be to react to pain is like, oh, I don't like that feeling. How do I get rid of this feeling sort of thing? Mm-hmm. So I, I like the way that you explain pain. It's like telling them that, you know, this is sort of, this is how your body feels. It can be subjective or it could be like physically. How do you... What about if the pain wasn't like, uh, like mentally or psychologically or neurologically? How do you sort of tell patients that? Do you normally look for testing? What do you normally do then? Well, I guess like uh, there's many different types of pain as well. Like in terms of like the pain, the type of pain can also tell like us a lot in terms of our our like subjective measures. Like oh, we usually ask what type of pain is it? Throbbing? Is it sharp? Is it dull ache? Is it like intermittent? Is it constant? Um, and then from those uh, I guess prompts, we ask further questions. Whether it's like ooh, is it should we kind of refer them down to like let's get some blood tests for specific pain? Is it maybe um, immuno immuno stuff or etc. So like usually like what type of pain can tell us um, whether it's acute pain or whether it's some chronic pain or is it some other medical kind of uh, thing that we might have to further refer. Uh, Talking about referrals, um, I had a question. I think I I can't remember how I worded it, but uh, how well received is referrals from like Chinese medicine to physios uh, and sort of vice versa like how you know, I know you work in a TCM clinic but in the physio world itself because you know we all fit into our little bubbles um, how well received is TCM and physio and sort of how can we bridge any gaps yeah, at the moment, I still think there is quite a big gap. Like, there's like out of out of the clinic that I work at right now, like there we, we do have like like a TCM practitioner that comes in as well. But I do think that a lot of patients think it's a, a separate thing. I was like, oh yeah, I go see the TCM for this specific injury, so I get acupuncture for let's say my knee injury. But I'm also seeing you to kind of get exercises to strengthen. So it's kind of like they're separating the two rather than trying to say, oh yeah, like this is my TCM um, practitioner and you're my physio, like would you be happy to kind of liaise between the two? Like it's it's hard, it's a a hard bridge to gap or even within the, I guess, physiotherapy clinic, not a lot of practitioners practitioners know about TCM um, and they, I guess, sometimes there's that, there's that stigma or there's that things that, oh, oh, they see TCM versus like, oh, okay, TCM would have help a lot and or acupuncture um, would help the patient a lot. So I think there's that gap. Have, do you have a, uh, do you, did you have a background in like acupuncture? Did you know about it before getting into physio? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, like so in my undergrad, I studied kinesiology um, in, in that, in that co- uh, program in Canada, in Waterloo. Um, I did five years as a physio assistant 
and that physio was a um, acupuncturist. And in our clinic, we had multiple uh, TCM practitioners who kind of saw, like we kind of co-treated a lot of patients as well. And also here in Australia, I, I was working with uh, Sustained Health for a bit um, to kind of see, like kind of co-treat patients as well. So I have had a, a bit of experience between the two. Do you think it's more well-received in Canada than it is here? Like, is there a better understanding? It's, hmm, I haven't really ever compared. It really depends on where you go. Um, it depends on the clinic. So yeah, like I, I can't, I can't make a direct comparison, but I, I feel there is still a gap between West and East. So do you, would you think, could you think of anything that could sort of help fix that gap or sort of help get that gap a bit closer together in terms of being able to uh, refer patients either side and work together, you know, any advice to uh, younger practitioners or anything like that? I guess, I guess it's more of an inter-referral. It's more about communication. So like um, some of my patients like that I work with, like they tell me that, oh yeah, I work with a acupuncturist or um, a TCM practitioner. And, uh, and then if, if we want to kind of bridge that gap, it, we would have to have clear communication between the two. And then long-term, like I might receive more from that practitioner or I might send, oh, this is something I can't deal with, but I would refer you to maybe try, try some um, tra traditional Chinese medicine. Like uh, this is a person I know that has done well with my other patients. So maybe have a look. I'm really curious. I was, I've been meaning to ask this. In, in what situation would you rec uh, recommend a TCM or a uh, Chinese medicine practitioner, um, like so, yeah, in in regards to your practice. So, like let's say a patient comes in, and you feel like that uh, maybe physiotherapy might not be for them, but then you direct them to T, uh, TCM. In what situations would you see that happen? Uh, a lot of a lot of the situations is like I think. The, like usually the, if a patient comes in for a physio, there, there is something usually that we can do as a physiotherapist, but on the, on the, in, I think as a team, there's a lot of, like, as I mentioned, holistically speaking, there's a lot of aspects of like stress or like just whole body inflammation, or like, they're just feeling overall fatigue for no unknown reason. Um, they'll, they'll tell me that they've been under every test under the sun or those kind of things. And then usually I would be like, have you tried TCM or um, have you thought about it? You know, like, yeah like stuff like, oh, I can't, like, even something as simple as, oh, yeah, I get stomach cramps all the time, those kind of things, which in Western medicine is more like maybe medication. Um, but have you tried more natural ways to kind of combat that as well? Because I do believe gut health is very important for the whole body in terms of inflammation as well. So um, yeah, like, those are probably usually the ones that I refer to. If it's a specific uh, injury uh, per se like let's say the whole knee is swollen and stuff like what a physio can do as much as possible is mainly just um, ice like, oh yeah put apply some ice or compression to reduce the swelling but long term if it's still something something still inflaming like some something systemic and stuff usually we'll be like all right maybe maybe try some tcm that that might that might help as well or acupuncture you touched on something before just now about um you know, stress and things like oh, kind of like emotional issues and things like that. Um, as a physiotherapist, really quickly, do you see a lot of, you know, stress related, uh, stress related patients or uh, patients that um, basically their pains and stuff uh, stem from stress or emotional imbalances? Yeah, yeah. yeah heaps, like um, heaps of that. Like now, more and more studies are 
like in even in physiotherapy are kind of guiding towards how a lot of the pain can be stemming from the emotional stress and kind of emotional aspects or psychosocial aspects of their life so like more and more like professional development is talking about how to combat that or what are some other ways to kind of assist with that and unfortunately right now uh, like a lot of physios i feel during our education program um, we weren't really exposed to a lot of that because um, like i feel like that's one of the skills a lot of people during uni or right new grads have been lacking um, is a psycho psychological or social aspect of um, pain so yeah, like that's that's probably one of the biggest aspects that probably contributes to a lot of pain, like such as back pain. Like we have the guidelines to treat um, low back pain, but there's a component of it which is psycho psychological or social aspects like that stress that um, that that causes that whole body inflammation that we can't deal with. So, do you do you explain that to your patients and you know say like this is I I think most of your pain is actually coming from your like stress side or your, your emotional side. Like do you explain that to your patients and say, yeah, definitely as part of the education in terms of treatment, um, depending on which physio you do see, um, I do focus a lot on the education part, um, which is educating the, okay, this, 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 this are all possible, possible contributions to your pain. Um, like just like, it's, it's just like your whole body health, just treating this physical impairment might not, help it or prevent it from happening ever again. So that's, I usually try to put that into explanation as a pre preventative measure. Oh, well, I'm thinking that like, we have drilled you with so many questions about like physiotherapy and everything. Like, uh, or like it's been really, really, um, really good to get an insight of physiotherapy and we're, re we're reaching around the tail end of, uh, the podcast the last couple, couple of minutes, but I, we wanted, I wanted to get to like, know you as like a as a person too and one of the questions i really like on the on the whiteboard is what's some of the most rewarding things about being a physiotherapist like for us you see you know patients being like oh you know you fixed my back and you know nothing's worked except for this and so on and so forth uh, on a similar on a similar wavelength um what's some of the most rewarding things about your job uh, I guess I I I started in physio like main, I guess I had a big exposure to physio even when in my undergrad um, but I really kind of dwelled into physio because like I really like the health aspect kind of being a health advocate or kind of helping people who don't have the access to health to kind of know a little bit more to kind of how how can I how can I help them I guess improve themselves in terms of their health or kind of get them better um, that's probably one of the most rewarding things is when they do follow your um, recommendations and they do feel better. Um, sometimes even as a practitioner, they might not even be looking for um, a specific treatment. Sometimes they even just come in to kind of de-stress, like they talk to you about their, their worries and stuff. And then just kind of coming to someone who is friendly and someone that they can trust is a, a big aspect to their life as well, because when they're outside in their home, they're struggling with certain things and they come to see a practitioner who can be like, oh yeah, I can help you temporarily get some, some pain relief and stuff. Like their, their stress level goes down. And when you see them kind of walk out with a smile, that's, 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 a, that's, that's a huge thing for me. And also like the other thing is like probably another rewarding thing is um, being, connect, being able to connect with someone on, it's kind of like when you're one-on-one -on -one with a pa patient or a client, you're, you get to know them on a quite personal level. 
um, that's the aspect that I do like from it rather than like, oh yeah, I treat you and like, you better buy goodbye. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a rehab thing. So like you see them more than one time, you, you probably, some of them, some patients that I see, see me more than some, some of their family members. So like you, you build that uh, relationship with them and it's, it's quite important to, I, I guess like in a way they kind of become like your, your very close friends too, because they know a lot about you. You know a lot about them as well. Um, so it's kind of like you just really want to see them get better as well. Yeah. yeah, creating that patient rapport is, you know, is a common theme over all allied health that, you know, we talk to on the podcast. And it's, it's such a big thing in terms of being able to get them to be compliant and do their exercises and, you know, just overall feeling better. I think that's, yeah, patient, patient rapport is, is yeah, big on the list. Yeah. And connecting with patients and like helping them with their overall mood and everything is really important for neurological rehabilitation as well, which I know is one of your clinical focuses. So I guess what kind of, um, what do physiotherapists kind of contribute to that and what interests you about neurological rehabilitation? Mm, So I guess like, the difference between, I guess, treating someone with musculoskeletal and neuro rehab is like sometimes it's the timeline. Uh, a musculoskeletal patient, you might expect maybe if it's really bad or like maybe within a year, they're di- like we should be able to get them back to or to their goal, depending on how serious the condition is. Like you don't expect them to be seeing the, you don't expect to be seeing them years on end kind of thing. Whereas a neuro patient is a, it's a lot more complex. Um, they have a lot of contributing factors and a lot of their their um, impairments or physical impairments from the neurological uh, I guess injury um, or problem is it's probably long term lifelong so there's not like a just like oh yeah I, I, I sprained my ankle should be better in like three to four weeks it's more of a oh I have a spinal cord injury and it's lifelong how do I manage it lifelong um, so I guess in that in that aspect for I think treating a lot of neurological patients, like because you do need a lot of patience with it as well. Like um, it's going to be a more long spread. You have to get to know the person really well. Like, and a lot of neurological patients, if they have that physical impairment, sometimes um, they can't actually move themselves per se. Um, you actually help them, help them, and you have to build that trust and rapport between them to be like, all right, I'm going to take care of you. You know, I'm going to help you move your limbs or. We're going to do a lot of hands-on work together to help get that function back um, or preserve the movement. So, And are they the type of patients that, you, um, that you're not like happy to see walk through the door, but are they like the type of patients that you're like, this is why I got into the job? Um, like are they your like, favorite type of patients to treat? Mm. Oh, definitely. I guess I shouldn't have any favoritism, but like, <laughs> for some, like, I guess like when, when you, like everyone walks in the door, I guess like you'll be like, okay, musculoskeletal. I've done, I've, maybe I've seen like maybe 50 of these patients with the same ankle injury. Then you'll be like, all right, I know what to do. You're confident. Whereas sometimes with a new neurological patient, they come in with something um, like, for instance, like a spinal cord injury. And then like every, every spinal cord injury is a bit different. Um, so like, it's kind of like, there's more aspects to it, but it is more, it takes a lot more, uh, I guess, stimulation in terms of like kind of addressing, oh yeah, you have to address your diet. You have to address your mental health. You have to address this and et cetera, a lot of things altogether. Um, but 
if they improve um, overall, like it helps them with their function, like you do feel more, it, it is a lot more rewarding. Um, but all in all, like if the person is better, like you still feel it's very rewarding in the end anyways. Has anybody got any final questions before you sort of wrap up? I've got, I've got one that I want to end with, but has anybody else got, got one? Uh, I have a question. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like my question is actually, so like, I guess like, like on the other side of things, like is for, like for TCM practitioners working with physios, like, I guess, is it, is there anything that can, like physios can do to kind of make them more like bridging the gap as well, like rather than like physios, like kind of referring TCM or like, is there any way to kind of, how do we bridge the gap, I guess? What are your recommendations? I was just going to say, I, I think the mindset that you already have is a great way for us to bridge sort of the gap where you talked about having that, like removing that stigma and being open-minded to be like, Oh, like this is something great for that TCM can treat, or this is something great that physio can treat. It's like when we all sort of work together, it all ends up benefiting the patient in the long run. So I think you have a great mindset already. And I think if only more physiotherapists could have the same mindset to remove that sort of stigma, I think it would help a lot from yeah. my side at least. And also TCM practitioners as well. A lot of like the older ones I speak to, they don't necessarily think about referring out. So I think incorporating, if you are seeing patients to ask that question, um, or are you seeing a TCM? Are you considering it? But also from our side um, to say, are you seeing a physio? Um, would you consider it just to have that kind of um, conversation and just put it in their mind that maybe this is something they can consider. Um, and then a bit later on, if maybe they do get an injury, they'll consider a physio and a TCM together. So I think just um, starting that conversation with the patients as well. Cool. Well, yeah, no, I was about to add on to what you're saying, because, oh, man, I've been so cautious about cutting off. <laughs> no, but I mean, basically kind of like um, adding to what you two have said, uh, one of the flaws that we have in Chinese medicine is that just no one is aware that we even exist. Like, and that's, that's something that does uh, kind of hinder us a teeny bit um, just because like you said earlier, there's some physiotherapists that are like, Oh, you know, what is Chinese medicine? Like we don't, we don't even know. So even just having our industry out there for people to actually know about is probably the best, the best way to go about it in ways of referrals and ways of, information and all that stuff yeah i think it most of it lies on education of what tcm is and what a physio is and sort of how they can work together um you know in terms of both treating pain um you know tcm can treat pain distally while physios work on it work on the joint or the musculoskeletal pain itself or you know whatever or just you know us working on the stress and the digestion side and they working on the pain you know we can there's there's a lot that we can do together but it's education of you know educating the patients that everything exists um educating more chinese med doctors that you know about what a physio can do um how to refer to them how to chat with them um and you know that goes with sort of not just physios but osteos and chiros and you know anybody else in the in the um allied health world 
and just sort of that education wise and having that mindset of, you know, treating the body holistically um, and knowing that stress is, is a major contributor to pain or, you know, digestion and inflammation or, you know, all these multiple, multiple factors that can be involved. Um, I think that, that is, is sort of the biggest thing. I guess one of the, the other things is like when, sometimes when I do speak to like a, a, a client about um, whether they've looked into TCM and stuff, a lot of, a lot of like maybe uh, the clients I see will probably stray away, stray away from Eastern medicine is like, is that they, they feel that there's no research or evidence um, based so I guess that's probably one of the things where people are very focused on as well. But then a lot of times I have to tell them that like, you know what, like we have the funding, like there's a lot of research that goes out there, but like maybe there is evidence for like kind of scientific evidence for TCM, but there's just no funding to kind of do that research or like no actual good studies to kind of support that. So like it shouldn't be dismissed overall. Like that's, it's in the end, as you said, it's a lot of education. Well, these studies aren't getting to the right people. <laughs> you know, the, the, the more you look, the more you find um, in terms of, you know, studies for just about everything. So, And I think we'll cap it off there on that note with an abundance of information out there. So as always, Thank you for listening to the Forever Young podcast. And thank you to Vanessa for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. You were amazing. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So you can can find. (laughs) 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 To be second of the roll, the cutoff. Yeah, that's it. No, sorry. Go for it. I was just going to say she was, she's got five stars on everything on whitecoat.com.au. Time to get an appointment, (laughs) listening skills, treatment explanations, and likelihood to recommend. So thank you again, Vanessa. No, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Where can people find you, Vanessa? Just plug yourself. Oh, like I I base myself out of like the clinic at the Glen Back Care and Sports Therapy Clinic in uh, Glen Waverley. And I do have an Instagram um, where I try to kind of post uh, just my physio knowledge uh, to the public. Um, uh, The Instagram is physiov. So we'll link it in the show notes and um, on Facebook as well. So don't forget to follow us on Facebook. And if you have a question for Vanessa, you can just um, comment on the Facebook page or email us and we'll pass them on to her and get an answer back to you. Um, and... and as always, we've been the Forever Young Podcast and you'll hear from us next time. Bye. Bye.